Welcome to History Frogcast, a production of the TCU History Department, where we put the life and times of horned frogs into their rightful place in world history. I'm about that riff ram, bazoo, liggity liggity zoo zoo, ooh wah, wahoo, give them hell, TCU, riff ram, bazoo, liggity liggity zoo zoo, This evening I would like to discuss with you the future of integration. Broadly speaking, there have been three distinct periods in the history of race relations in this nation. And it is interesting to note that in each period, the Supreme Court of the nation rendered a decision that gave legal and constitutional validity to the dominant thought patterns of that particular period. This excerpt from Martin Luther King's speech in 1959 on the future of integration is the embodiment of our topic today. This speech was the forefront to advancing democracy all over the nation and was a promise of a better future for all Americans. Today we are going to be examining the rigid and rough years of American desegregation in the South, more specifically, Texas. In our upcoming podcast episode, we explore the packed timeline of the 1960s and the effects of our nation's most revolutionizing time. In 1968, students from Texas Christian University and Jarvis Christian College in Hawkins, Texas, participate in, a, in an exchange that opened their eyes to new beginnings. Get to know more about how college students from HBCUs, such as Jarvis, took to the streets to protest and ignite change. The unique student exchange program between Jarvis Christian and Texas Christian University, where students' eyes were open to the glaring differences of their respective campuses. Investigate how financial help, narrowing racial gaps, and new African-American history courses affect the issue. For our next journey, we will take a trip through this transformative period, period discussing the importance of the 1960s. So, Ralston, what was the exchange between TCU and Jarvis Christian College? Well, the exchange was an agreement completed by the two universities in order to promote inclusivity and ultimately starting the slow integration of African Americans at TCU. Imagine this, TCU and Jarvis Christian College Worlds apart, yet united in a remarkable initiative born from a desire for mutual understanding and dismantling racial barriers. Yeah, dude, that's right. This exchange wasn't a mere happenstance. It was a meticulously organized effort orchestrated by Neil Daniel, an assistant professor of English at TCU. It stemmed from a profound need to bridge the gap between historically black and white institutions fostering empathy and dispelling stereotypes. Absolutely. 17 students from Jarvis ventured to TCU, immersing themselves in the daily life of the campus. They weren't mere spectators. They attended classes, resided in dormitories, and embraced the vibrant pulse of TCU's academic milieu. Meanwhile, 14 TCU students embarked on a shorter day trip to Jarvis, a journey shrouded in mystery about its brevity. Yet, the students weren't just visitors. They were on a mission to unravel the truths behind the educational disparities. 
For TCU students, it was a day of discovery for sure, a chance to witness firsthand the smaller campus of Jarvis, its chapel-centered core, and its intimate community. Their brief trip became a window into the difference ingrained in educational institutions. Absolutely. The Jarvis students at TCU, on the other hand, seized the opportunity to immerse themselves fully. They weren't just guests, they were catalysts for understanding, advocating for inclusivity, and challenging the status quo. I agree with that. This exchange wasn't merely about change in scenery. It was about altering perceptions, fostering empathy, and embracing the richness of diversity that education embodies. So, join us as we unravel the narrative of the transformative exchange where students became the architects of understanding, breaking barriers, and paving the way for more inclusive educational landscape. The fight for democracy and equality happened far before TCU and Jarvis, 12 years to be exact. On my way to Washington, feeling mighty sad, thinking about an income that I never had. Everybody's got a right to live. Everybody's got a right to live. And before the seven bills, we all go down in jail. Everybody's got a right to live. Black men picked the cotton long time ago. He's been the victim since brought him to the show. Black men dug the ditches, hewed down the pines. This audio piece was a staple of the civil rights movement at the time. Students from both institutions probably were very familiar with this song. According to Jimmy Collier, who was the singer-songwriter, stated, Music is the easiest way to tell the story of what we're trying to do. Songs are one of the best tools for getting people together. I couldn't agree with him more. But the 1954 Brown v. Board ruling marked a pivotal moment declaring segregation in schools unconstitutional. However, it didn't usher an immediate change. The Brown II decision in 1955 emphasized deliberate speed in desegregating schools. But resistance prevailed in many corners, including places like Fort Worth, Texas. With TCU, official integration happened in 1964 per admittance. They were not the first institution to undergo this process, however. Other famous civil rights events happened across the South, such as Little Rock and Ole Miss. The lessons learned in these events are well implicated in the exchange between TCU and Jarvis Christian College. In Fort Worth, influential figures like Cecil Morgan, representing the educational apparatus, resisted rapid change. Despite offers of guidance from organizations like the NAACP, the local school board and community groups such as the Citizens Council actively opposed swift integration efforts. Well, Rawson, it makes sense. Desegregation extended beyond classrooms. It encompassed battles for pay equality among teachers and broader fights for fairness. Even when desegregation initiatives began in the mid-1960s, progress was very slow. Tactics like graduated desegregation, starting with lower grades and inching upwards, prolonged the process. The graduated desegregation process included a process of integrating lower school grades and progressively integrating grades above every year. Continuing in Fort Worth, the struggle in the city mirrored a national trend. 
Similar patterns were observed across the United States. Legal challenges, community resistance, and incremental changes defined the path toward integration. Universities faced comparable battles, with some needing court orders or federal intervention to admit black students. However, desegregation wasn't just a legal mandate, Ralston. It was a societal transformation. It required a fundamental shift in entrenched attitudes and systemic barriers. The resistance and gradual pace of change underscored the depth of the challenge and the persistence of segregationalists' belief. It wasn't until federal intervention and ongoing legal pressure that the substantial strides towards desegregation occurred. Court orders and continued activism were catalysts for the eventual compliance with integration mandate. Absolutely, Ford. The legacy of desegregation struggle is woven into the fabric of the United States history. It represents a testament to the perseverance of activism, the power of legal advocacy, and the resilience of communities in their fight for equality. Now we're diving deep into the heart of Fort Worth's educational history, focusing on the stark realities of segregation within the Independent School District, ISD. Through the invaluable insights of Cecilia Hill, who is a PhD candidate in the History Department at TCU, we uncover the intricate layers of systemic challenges within Fort Worth's K-12 schools. Runs education institutions in the state of Texas. You know, we have our Texas constitution that we follow, so do we need to then adjust for anything based on the Supreme Court decision? So they form a committee uh, led by a man named Cecil Morgan. And Cecil Morgan is a representative on the state board um, from Fort Worth. He's a lawyer here in Fort Worth. He's, you know, uh, raised here. He's a, a very important elite, one of the elite members of society here in Fort Worth who's making, who's the one running things in the city. Um, and he is uh, he eventually, not at this time, but later will become the uh, Fort Worth ISD's uh, main attorney. Um, and so he's the guy who says, hey, we should form a committee. We should study this this um, uh, Supreme Court decision and decide what we need to do as an institution. So he forms this committee and he um, comes back to the board. You know, it's you know different board members. On the day he appears before the board to discuss it, there's representatives from the NAACP. Um, and, you know, so there's a Brown decision and then there's Brown too. Right. So there's the Brown two is the one that says deliberate speed, like that all all um, institutions need to desegregate with deliberate speed. And uh, so it's after Brown two that that um, Texas and probably other states too start really actually thinking about this and saying, what do we need to do? So this is all happening in 55 after Brown two. And so NAACP is there, different regional representatives at NAACP. Um, there's another organization that. Um, they're a nonprofit and they go into cities and they help them desegregate. Cecilia paints a vivid picture of a Fort Worth grappling with the pervasive issue of segregation within its ISD. The deeply rooted inequities within these schools profoundly impacted the experiences of students, shaping their academic journeys and influencing their futures. The independent school district in Fort Worth faced significant challenges marked by clear signs of segregation. This created a landscape where students experienced vastly different educational environments based on racial divides and socioeconomic disparities. Hill's observations shed light on the troubling realities prevalent in Fort Worth ISD during this period. 
the ramifications of such systemic segregation extended far beyond the confines of the classroom, affecting students' access to quality education and their opportunities for advancement. According to Hill, Fort Worth ISD desegregated in 1964. Segregation with Fort Worth ISD not only created disparities in resources and facilities, but also perpetrated unequal opportunities for students, impacting their trajectories and limiting their potential for academic and personal growth. Texas Christian University in the 60s was a student body that was 99% white. TCU was also a staple white institution in the South. On the other side of the story was Jarvis Christian College, a historically black institution located in Hawkins, Texas, about 150 miles east of Fort Worth. These institutions couldn't have been more different in terms of demographics, resources, and opportunities. But the goal of integration was one of mutual appreciation by both institutions. Well, it's extremely interesting, Ralston, because Philip Miller, a TCU student who participated in the exchange program, noted, I had heard about the Jarvis Christian all my life, and to go and see what humble circumstances the campus was in at the time, it was sobering to realize it was probably just typical of the contrast between historically white institutions and historically black institutions. The exchange program was a pivotal moment in addressing racial disparities, not only in Texas, but across the South. Well, here's another unique perspective of the exchange from Nancy DeWeese, a TCU alumni at the time. She shared, I definitely knew that the issues between the races were a big issue at the time, and I wanted to do what I could to facilitate things going better. With the exchange program and the financial aid to Jarvis, the exchange could now be more effective way of uniting two unlikely universities in an exchange that was revolutionary at its time. Reflecting on her experience at TCU, Thelma Milligan Lede, a Jarvis student who participated in the exchange program, said, This was a good experience for me. It gave me more confidence about my education. We are not as substandard as we were made to seem. The overall impact that the exchange had on students, such as Thelma Lede and Philip Miller, created a unique insider perspective of two different worlds that would have gone unseen if they were not for the program. However, even though a proposal to redirect funding was rejected, TCU's goodwill towards Jarvis was evident. Book drives and fundraisers were organized to support the historically black institution, reflecting a sincere effort to bridge the gap and foster understanding between two very different communities. The faculty sharing program and the chancellor's determined efforts to raise funds left a recognizable mark on the landscape of educational equality. Firstly, the faculty sharing program is an embodiment of TCU's commitment to fostering understanding. Five professors from TCU had dual sessions between the schools. The history, English, and sociology professors traveled to Hawkins once a week to teach classes. TCU and Jarvis soon created an affiliation program that was initially planned in 1964 to be a five-year deal, but ended up lasting until 1976 when it was discontinued. Meanwhile, in parallel, TCU Chancellor Emmy Sadler, who was the Jarvis trustee, embarked on a tireless quest to secure financial support for Jarvis Christian College. His efforts weren't confined to TCU's walls. They stretched far and wide, seeking aid to alleviate Jarvis's financial burdens. 
Sadler's unwavering determination led to a fundraising endeavor that echoed across the Southwest. He championed the cause, seeking assistance to mitigate Jarvis's $450,000 debt occurred from fires and infrastructure repairs. That's right. Sadler's relentless pursuit paid off, a true testament to the power of advocacy. Jarvis received substantial grants totaling $1 million, spurring a revitalization that transcended monetary value, a renewal of hope and opportunity for the college and its community. This was a time where students became advocates of progress, demanding pivotal changes within TCU's curriculum. Their passionate activism bore fruit, ushering in a new era marked by the inclusion of courses delving into African-American history and culture. But this was no ordinary addition. It was a hard-won victory, a turning point carved through relentless determination. Students, with unwavering resolve, shattered boundaries, compelling a broader recognition of African-American contributions. But the road to these changes wasn't smooth. It was paved with student-led change, fervent calls for representation, and an unyielding demand for inclusivity. Adding to that, Ford, behind these courses lies a history woven with the passion of students rallying for their voices to be heard. TCU didn't readily embrace these transformations. They were fought for by passionate advocates determined to rewrite the narrative. There's a story buried within the historical records, an uproar that echoed when students, including athletes, took a stand, a collective protest that resonated, demanding inclusion of diverse perspectives in every classroom. Absolutely. These changes didn't manifest spontaneously. They were forged through fire of student advocacy. The very existence of the Comparative Race and Ethics program today is a testament to the unwavering determination of those who fought for its inception. TCU's transformative journey embodies the power of student activism, a force that didn't merely demand change, but carved its place in history, shaping an educational landscape that celebrates diversity and embraces inclusivity. Here's a teaser for Gavin McGuffin's next episode of the History Frogcast. Good morning, Vietnam! Did you know TCU had two number one draft picks in the 1969 Vietnam War draft lottery? Hear more about it on our next episode of the Frogcast. From Frogs to Fatigues, hosted by charismatic and jovial Gavin McGuffin. You won't want to miss this important topic. Thanks for tuning into our podcast journey today. Remember, life's an adventure, so keep exploring, stay curious, and we'll catch you on the airways next time. I'm Ford. And I'm Ralston. And until then, take care and keep the conversation going. TCU. Give them hell, TCU. Until next time. TCU. Riff Ram, y'all. TCU. Riff Ram.